The first of its kind Wolves USA meetup is rapidly approaching. Join official Wolves USA supporters groups in Houston on the weekend of October 1st for TexFest 2022. It'll be a jam-packed weekend of fun for all ages, centered around the match against West Ham on Saturday at 11.30 a.m. Central. To register for the event and to view the entire weekend itinerary, visit HoustonWolves.com or simply check out the link on the show Twitter page at WLWPod or on Facebook at Whole Lotta Wolves. Come join the pack in Houston. Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, Episode Six of Season Three. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. I'm Paul LePage. And joining us again from New York is Alex Patakis. How's it going, Alex? Doing well. How are you guys? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. And feeling better after Wolves finally got off the Schneid. Celebrate good times. We scored a goal. Paul's giving me the no no on there uh so yeah Wolves win one nil over Southampton Poden scores on a goal that you know maybe he was trying to score maybe not I don't know it went in it counted our defense is doing awesome Paul what were your thoughts it's just such a relief to have that look at the table and we're not in the bottom three just getting that three points is so crucial at the start of the season just to reassure everyone somewhat. And for me, going back to Saturday's game, it really made me think that those are the types of games that we should be winning. But really, when you're looking against the two teams, um, they're both, they were both pretty evenly matched on the day. And it kind of gave an indication of where we might actually end up, that those are the types of teams that we're going to be in and around. So we'll take some positives from it. We'll we'll take it as um, hopefully a step in the right direction. But a a measure of where we are in the season, um, I think it could be a building block, but I'm not getting too carried away that it was was all... um, all a bunch of positives. I don't think still, still very much a work in progress. How'd you feel, Alex? Uh, I, I feel similarly to Paul in that I, you know, I think it's, it's a good step in the right direction. It is just a relief, but um, in just thinking back about the game, you know, Shay Adams really needed to score, right? Like that, that was one of the most ridiculous misses I think that you could ever see. And then, yeah. And he came back again and, and probably should have scored again. And if you believe in the XG, I mean, they would have won that battle. Um, it's not like, as if there were shots on target to go around amongst both teams, but um, it it did seem a little bit like this very easily could have been another the, uh, one of those 1-1 matches that feels like a loss. Uh, and there's just such a tremendous... It, it's actually a credit to them defensively, but such a tremendous amount of pressure on the defense because it really feels like if they allow a goal, Wolves are not going to get a positive result like whatsoever, you know? So it, the fact that they're able to kind of handle that pressure and keep clean sheets and, and keep a team that is so futile offensively in games is, is really a, is really a credit to them. So um, I came, came away from it feeling a little bit lucky, but positive in that um, if they ever figure out offensively, Wolves will be a really tough team to beat because defensively, even with rotation at the back with Samato coming out, uh, they're so sound, man. 
Let's just turn it into a podcast that talks about how awesome we are defensively. Then we can be <laughs> pretty much happy all the time because what a back two pairing that we're thinking about is the the centre backs. Like the numbers those are putting up, and uh, I thought Kilman was fantastic, you know, and and Collins equally. But Kilman's just gone about his start of the season really under the radar, but he's just looking looking phenomenal and if those have struck up that type of partnership and Johnny coming back in and, and being solid and I saw his numbers shared uh from from how he did that that was a positive as well. So we can we can look to that definitely that this the start of the season is one area defensively that we've looked really tight in. Yeah, and that's why I always think it's interesting when people talk about Wolves' struggles, they bring up the back four to start off. Well, the back four itself is working great. That's not an issue at all. It's still just, you know, we've got that extra player, now we have to figure out how to make that work offensively. But I still stand by what I said last week, that I think Collins is going to have to turn out to be the best of all of the signings um, in this transfer window. I mean, he's just, yeah, him and Kilman are, are a brick wall back there. And it's it's exciting to see. Paul, did Potence try to score that goal, or was he trying to set it up for uh, for Special K? I think he, he was looking to square it. And you look at on the slow motion, it's like he chastises himself immediately, and then realizes actually it's gone in. Yeah. And then I think uh, when he when he comes and breaks away from the celebration, there's a element of relief, and he may have said something like "phew." Um, it just his whole mannerism suggested that he didn't entirely mention it. If he did, it would have been a brilliant goal, but he'd probably be too nervous to even attempt it. Could you imagine the furore if it had got if it had just chipped it back into the keeper's hands? So uh, we'll take it. We'll take it. You know what? It's about time we uh, we caught a break. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. been that's been coming. I mean, but a great move. So yeah. don't don't get me wrong in terms of the. Apart from the the end result, obviously what we all wanted, but the move that got us there in the first place was great. So yeah, Matthias, uh, fantastic, and and as Jackie Oatley said on the uh, uh, telecast, he does not like Nunes; he likes Matthias. So we will just, you know, we'll go with that, Matthias. So Matthias had a great cr- uh, assist on the pass going uh, across the face of goal. I mean, he really had a spectacular game, didn't he, Alex? Yeah, I thought he was great once again. Um, he he's also, you know, it's a credit to him that he's he's coming from, you know, the Portuguese league. He's coming into the Premier League, and I know he's a really high quality player. But in a matter of a couple of weeks, he's also being asked to do something he didn't really do a whole lot of at Sporting. You know, when you when you look back, like when any of us look back on what he was great at, and you watch his YouTube highlights, he was great. He would have been really good in in Wolves' old system right? Playing mm-hmm. alongside of Neves. And I kind of, I think we all assumed that Moutinho would have just been the guy who kind of drops to be a rotational player given his age, but he's playing in a midfield three playing now on the right side when he used to play as a right footed midfielder on the left. Um, and he's bombing forward a lot. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that is, I, I guess what I question, I wonder what you guys think about it is, is lot was that, did Lodge want, Matthias because he wanted him in that role or is this just what he has to do because nobody else is generating any type of shot creating actions up front because I don't even know that he's playing his best position and he continues to impress and boss midfields of you know guys who've been playing in the Premier League for like six seven eight years 
you know, this could have been part of the way to get him is he wanted to be playing more of an offensive role on the team if he was going to make a move to Wolves to improve his value. It's very obvious Matthias came looking at this is not his destination. This is a, a step on the ladder. So he maybe figures like, hey, I can go to a place like this where they're promising me a little more creativity. Um you know, a little more movement and that'll just improve my value to the top clubs. What do you think of that, Paul? Yeah, I think it's got some merit. Um, but I think with, with anything and this team as a whole, we still try to bed in a number of players and a new formation. So it's going to take a while for the dust to settle. But to some of Alex's point, if he's in this type of groove now, um, I think it bodes really well that either continues on an upward trajectory or there is a slight position tweak um, when we've got some flexibility around formation now that may see him bring some some qualities that we've uh, we're not yet seen. If we're talking about him coming back into a more double pivot with Neves and the opportunity to break centrally uh, when he's in a two, I'm not sure we're going to see that just yet. Um, because it's still an opportunity to have Moutinho get in minutes. Then we've got Traore, Mark two, <laughs> Traore the second to come in as well. So that adds an element of dynamism to it as well. So I think it's going to take a while for, for us to really bed in and, and see what this team and the components of it are really capable of. Well, I know we were super excited to see um, how Special K was really going to fit in here. Our new six foot seven striker uh, came in to starting role right away because Raul was having a groin or chronic fatigue or whatever they want to tell us today uh, that he was having. Uh, looking strong, got a bloody lip, but you know, you can tell the potential and then tears his ACL 35 minutes in. I mean, this is why we can't have nice things, guys. <laughs> Paul, did you have any doubt that that was a more serious injury than they were letting on after the game? No, not at all. I think mm -hmm. you, you you do have that worry if it is a half-time substitution that he did have some opportunity to, to run it off. And obviously from that point forward, there was obviously something wrong that meant he couldn't come out for the second half. So that was a worry at the, the, the back of your mind. But then you're thinking, well, if it was that serious of an injury, then he would have come off when it originally happened. But he was to know the extent of it at the time and how he immediately reacted to it that allowed him to carry on. So it's such a blow, you know, um, that again, just that you, you bring in these players in, it's an opportunity to try something new, an opportunity to try something that we've not had the, the chance to do yet. And the last 45 minutes, it's just typical Wolves, it feels. <laughs> uh, yeah. What What were your thoughts when he went down and they showed the replay and showed it was non-contact, Alex? Just disbelief. Here we go again. Like, <laughs> I, I just can't. Of course, this would this would happen. Um, then I got to Googling and honestly, I, I, w I really wasn't aware of his injury history uh, coming in. And then I think it turned actually a little bit to anger and feeling similarly to before in that um, it's great they made that signing. I thought he was going to be exactly what they needed. But now we've just got 
two players who we can't trust to be fit at one position rather than, you know, a handful with one that at least we can. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I found myself becoming frustrated and I, it's so, it's so hard to avoid, but like, all I could think about is of all the times that Fabio could have been, you know, developing somewhere else. This is the one time I really feel like he really could have been exactly what this, what this team needs right now. And, um, it's sour grapes, but man, I wish there was at least a recall option in that deal. There's an element of, of that, or if you are going to keep on that track, why they didn't get a second striker in the window as well. That was a different profile that could play that lone role, but you're looking at a Michi Batshuayi as if he was available as the perennial loan signing that that would have been ideal even if it meant paying a premium to have one have him sat on the bench if Sasha had come in and lit, lit, lit it on fire straight away just having that depth on the bench especially with that extended bench option of five subs I think the, the there's there's still question marks for me over that particular recruitment when it comes to a Fabio and his lack of recall and b not having the depth of of a central forward or a striker. I'm curious as to who made sure that lack of recall clause was in there. If that was Fabio or if that was the club that he went to, because surely Wolves would have wanted the recall. I mean, they already wanted to extend his contract by two years before it. And I think they settled on the one. Um, yeah, it's disappointing. And then of course he scored again yesterday, I think so. <laughs> but I, I, I will say, even though he does have an injury history, I don't think you can look fault the Wolves staff for like missing something with his ACL tear. Knee injuries just happen. They can happen at any point. And, I, I I go back to what Dan Southall called him uh, Crouchy uh, for Peter Crouch. And I was like, you know, that's exactly what happened to him. Three minutes into the World Cup, just <laughs> collapses with the torn ACL. So um, it's just one of those things. Some guys have weaker ACLs. Um, sometimes it's a genetic thing. There was an Alabama quarterback out here that tore both ACLs, and so did his sister as well. And it was just kind of like, you know, it's it's one of those things. So I do find it somebody that already had an ACL injury didn't react like he knew he had torn his ACL all the way, which kind of gives me hope that maybe it's not a full reconstruction they have to do. And it's just a severe sprain. Uh, I don't know. Have we heard word on that yet, Paul? No, I don't believe so. I think it was more of a uh, examination first to determine the extent and no one's come out and put a timeline on it yet. So I know he came out on Twitter and said that he was going to be out for months, which mm. that's to be expected either way. But I don't know. The the I guess the hope is that it's not a full ACL tear. Do, do we see him again, Alex, if it is a full ACL tear, or does he come back last month or two of the season? Uh, I think we don't see him. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think part of that is where I – feel well I, I i should say this i hope we don't see him because um i feel that would mean we're comfortably mid-table and not in a relegation battle <laughs> where we can kind of afford to maybe keep trotting out the team we have been trotting out most of the season um without the danger of going down <laughs> mm-hmm. so. 
Well, we'll talk about who his replacement is going to be here in a little bit, but talk some more about this game. And uh, Paul, what were your thoughts on Aiton or E coming back into the lineup? Do you feel like he did a good job? It, it definitely seems like he's one of those young kids that takes the kick in the pants pretty seriously. Yeah, I think that it's a, it's a measure of his character and his professionalism that is understanding and knows he may be coming in and out for these first few years as his, his career kicks on. But I do think that when we are at home, we, we do have to be more on the uh, offensive structure and he does he does bring that. I'm just waiting for it to really click and to to see him potentially strike up a partnership with someone. I'm just waiting for those intricate moves around the box to come off, those quick one-twos, and he gets in behind the fullback and he's able to put a ball across or win a penalty. So again, I'll bring it back potentially to having the team settle and, and everyone getting their groove somewhat. But it does seem like we've got a benefit at the moment that we've got three fullbacks to two positions and it may be a case of balancing some minutes across the three of them. Alex, I kind of went on a limb and said that Neto has not been good. I, I don't understand why he's a shoe in for every starting 11 because I don't think he's necessarily earned it right now what are your thoughts on that you think i'm crazy no i don't I, I actually think i'm starting to realize we we think along similar lines a lot because i remember you said on the podcast just based on current form you know if arsenal came along with that money you know nobody wants him to go because of the potential mm-hmm. but if you look at his goal involvements or lack thereof recently and you look at his form how could you not take that money <laughs> if it if it really were offered i, I I, I think he needs a break. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I actually think I, I think he's just been a shoe in as a starter. But it, even if he were rested against Liverpool or came off of the bench, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. I feel like he's lacking for confidence. I mean, he's 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 the one player that I think has been um, getting off shots that feel like you know they, they might not be from great areas. Sometimes they're from outside of the box, but he's playing off the right he's oftentimes combining with somebody to get a shot off of his left foot and just screaming it wide of the post or over the bar. And, and that's where I'm trying to think like, where, where does he fit in? Like, is it, is it on the right side of the front three and is what Lodge wants him cutting in off the left with a overlapping fullback behind him. And if so, like those shots have are somewhat coming, but they're really not coming off. Like he's got to do better there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm to answer your question. I'm fully on, on board with you right now. I think he's been one of the more, I don't mean to sound too harsh, but one of the more disappointing players so far. This oh, hundred percent. Um, given the expectations, I think coming in, knowing he was fit, he was with the team longer than other players over the summer. I mean, he came in early and we thought he would hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Adama has been uh, better over the same amount of premier league games over the last couple of years. I'll point that out. Um, <laughs> I mean, Paul, I I was getting a little frustrated. And then, I, I don't know. It, I, I think we're just all entranced that, oh, Neto's going to be awesome. He's going to be awesome. And even I see the journalist, like, he got a lot of seven ratings in that game. And that, that really blew my mind. I was like, there's no way I would have given him a seven on that. I mean, he had some really awful decisions with the ball in the final third. And, and I kind of feel like he's a big part of the issue right now. 
I think when you have that forward three that you so expectant of, knowing the fact that we don't seem to have that central striker or central forward that's going to be in the 12-15 goal range a season, we've got to start having those contributions elsewhere. And for me, I think with Neto at the moment, there's something probably up and I'd probably put it down to, uh, again, an element of finding your right position within the team, following the instructions about how you've been told to play. But then secondly, a confidence thing. And he does seem like a player that does operate a lot on confidence and that chance in the first half, I was just expecting that net to balls so that he came in, cut inside, perfect opportunity just to put his through, foot through. I was expecting the, the top corner to ripple and it just kind of daisy-cutted across to the, the opposite side. He completely cut across it. So I think there, there's an element of that in there, but um, I, I'm probably not starting him at the moment either. I'd probably yeah. be uh, those forward players as uh, Geddes and... Uh, and Pedence at the moment. Paul, when we were watching uh, the Bournemouth snooze fest together on Wednesday, uh, when Geddes was out there, you said, well, he's putting in a Trincao type performance. Kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah. It seems that when, I don't know if it's down to the opponents or the away from home, but I think it's a little early to say that it's a, it's a carbon copy. And I don't really think it will be going forwards. I think all it takes for him is to probably have that breakout game and he could be quite of a, a streaky player when it comes to form. And if he gets on a rich vein of it, I think that's when we could see see the goals come. To to that point, sorry, I, no. I, I just, you know, you compare him to Trinkow, that comparison has been thrown around a lot recently. And I, I agree. But is are we? Does it just seem like we just have so many of the same profile of player? It's like I, I looked at. I was looking around like right before the the Costa stuff came out. And I, was, I was just like thinking of just like old strikers, like who's around. And I'm thinking. And I was like, I thought of Edison Cavani. He's at <laughs> Valencia now, and he's filling a role that Gettys probably was. I know they don't play the same position, but Valencia was like, we got to add somebody. We just sold Gettys. Like, who would you actually rather have right now? Someone who brings something a little bit different, who's actually scored a couple of Premier League goals in the past couple of years, or someone like Geddes, who just seems like a carbon copy of every other dangerous, dangerous wing player that we have, mm-hmm. but the danger results in almost nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Like, why? Why is that the 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 mold of player we go for? And and when is it going to you know link up with the player who actually does the who finishes the job? I guess I'll I'll say this about Geddes. Um, at least he's not afraid to shoot, which is what Trincao ran into at some point. I, I feel like of all the guys up top right now, Geddes is the one that actually makes the keeper work. You know, it may just, it may not be a great shot, but at least he's making the keeper make some kind of save as easy as it may be. Neto's not doing that because they're sailing all over the place. And some of the other guys are just trying to make too many passes in there. So I do see the positives as get is. I, I think he's going to be another one that maybe he just needs to get that that goal and and start to get rolling on it. I thought he was good against Newcastle at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, there I think he won the ball like two or three times in the defensive third, and he like you know bullied say Maximin off the ball one time. Like I don't 
I, I don't mean to sound like I'm a Geddes hater, but no, yeah. offensively, I don't feel like he's bringing much more than, than Trin Calbrot, but neither, no one else is either, really. Yeah. So I just think it's a, a shock to these guys coming over to the EPL from the, the Portugal or the Spanish leagues that how physical it is, um, especially this year. They're not calling crap right now, <laughs> unless it's a badge check on VAR. That's about it, but yeah. <laughs> Um, Paul, how lucky was Lodge that there was a second game last week and it wasn't just having to sit with that Bournemouth result for a whole week? It does really change the narrative a ton that I think we're doing at the moment. We're kind of trying to forget the whole Bournemouth game actually yeah. happened. So <laughs> because it wasn't a great spectacle whatsoever, but I think it just it just lends itself to um it, it lends itself to the importance of that first victory, how, however it comes, and trying to look at it as a building block. Personally, I think the the Bournemouth game, he was probably on a hiding to nothing in that everyone expected us to win because they just got thumped 9-0. But to go away from home against that type of opponent, who's probably going to be ultra-defensive in the light of that and changing manager they would probably had the basic instructions of don't do anything stupid, try and be as tight as possible and see if you can nick something on, on the break. That had all the the elements to me of that when you go away in the FA Cup to that lowly opponent that you're expected mm-hmm. to, to walk all over. And then, then you say that, that they probably had that game plan of don't, don't do anything silly. And the the one time they did do something silly and Raul got an opportunity for on a one-on-one, he fluffed his line. So um, that that was, yeah, that that was the fine margins that could have easily turned uh, a a poor performance results wise into that expected win. And that probably would have papered over a few cracks, but to to the original question, I think it, um, you probably would have taken four points um, six would have been ideal, but four, you know, to, undefeated. Um, there, there, let's look at a positive that we are we are undefeated since um, on on those back of those the the, the recent results. So we mm-hmm. move forward from this point and and see what the next two have in store. Alex, how hot would have been his seat if he would have lost to Southampton? I think he might have been gone even. I, I don't know. Wow. Maybe I was being like way too, <laughs> way too pessimistic. Um, but with the investment and, you know, the big boss of the building, I'm not saying he was there because Lash's job was on the line, but you could almost see that narrative being crafted, right? Another disappointing loss at home, another, you know, another goalless performance. I don't know that I could have argued against it had they done it, um, you know, if the game if all things would have been equal then Podence just, you know, just chipped it into the, the, the gloves of the keeper. I, I feel like it. Yeah. As hot as it can possibly get. With that seat. Paul, <laughs> Paul, if they did make a change, which I don't know, I was very frustrated at the Bournemouth game. I said, this was the game that probably us lodge backers were probably starting to waver a little bit. Um, if they did make a change though, who would they even get? Exactly. The, um, it often seems very, on the face of it, measured or strategic that they make these senior position 
appointments and, and they put some thought behind it, um, even to the extent of when reports very, very early came out about potentially Nuno being on shaky ground, Large was a name that was mentioned then, but again, mm -hmm. to for 90% of the fan base are probably looking at each other and saying, well, who the heck's that? So it, it could be a case that that's going on or they have got a successor lined up that would go under the radar and, and not many people know. But then the, if that happens, they would, they would need to move pretty quickly. It, it, it doesn't seem that there would be um, any, any free agent real coaches there that could, that could come in that would, would fit the profile. I can't really see a, a Sean Dyche rocking up to Molyneux and putting on a Portuguese accent. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I, I really couldn't, I really couldn't point to anyone that could come in as a, as a natural, uh, natural successor. The only, the only flip side to that is we're in a much better position in terms of a strength of a squad that would be a, a, of an appeal to someone who was probably looking to make a switch from an existing club to say, well, you're going to come in and you've got all these assets at your disposal. Whereas then the last season and how, how shaky that could have been, maybe we weren't that ideal of a project at that particular time. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, fans are going to be fans and always calling for somebody to get ousted. But honestly, like what amount of change? It's not like they would fire Lodge and bring somebody in and suddenly we're scoring four goals a game. Ultimately, it's still the players. And, you know, my biggest issue with Lodge has always been the substitutions that they happen too late. And I don't understand why we're still having this, you know, over a year in. There's no reason Adama shouldn't be coming in at the 60 minute mark every game instead of 70 or 75. You're just, you know, kind of hurting him and the team more than anything, but yeah, it's, it's one of those, be careful what you wish for the grass, the grass just, it isn't always greener. How often do does making a move this early actually work? Not very no, often. It's just a case of, I don't want to be one of those teams like a Watford that as soon mm -hmm. as you're on shaky ground, boom, there goes the coach and it's, it's like a revolving door. I think, it, with any type of setup like we've got, the importance of stability is crucial. That we really do. Hopefully, he he's been back financially in in terms of the squad and everything. So let's give him a little time to see what he can do with. Now, if we're getting closer towards the Christmas time, the transfer windows approaching, and we're not entirely where we need to be, then probably that's one uh, area that you can look at as a time time of the year that you could make that potential change. But I think it deserves somewhat of a, a of a longer leash, just because he's got these assets at his disposal now, which he's never had before. It's his real opportunity to put his stamp on the team, which he's never had. So if we can have a little patience and see what he does with it, let's reflect on it in six weeks and see where we are. I mean, look at Arsenal. Arsenal fans wanted Arteta run off big time, and he's turned it around big time. Um, 
you just got to give these guys some chance. And I was as frustrated as anybody on Wednesday uh, with that whole thing. But ultimately, you know, you sit back and you're like, how much would a change at manager be? It's like baseball, too. Oh, you're going to change the manager. Well, what's that really going to do? Uh, to me, the the sport where, like, the head coach is that makes the biggest difference is American football. I, I still stand by that. Um, not saying that coaches in the other sports don't make a difference. They do, but it's not going to make an immediate boom. Like, you're not going to just change everything all of a sudden. So we talked about how are we going to score goals? And it looks like the hopeful answer is one Mr. Diego Costa. Uh, Paul, what were your thoughts when you saw that name pop up on your timeline? It just, I thought after the the craziest transfer window that we've seen to have in, in some while, that it just got extended. And it, again, it seems so unwolves like that we've had to delve into the free agent market and see if there's anyone who's able to lace up their boots previously we've been looking at that because we haven't been able to to fill a squad or we've had an underwhelming window and it's like well who's kicking about that's left yesterday was like well who's available costa is available not only is available he's coming in under in a, on a trial i uh, forget the trial he's coming in and if he passes mm-hmm. the medical he's signing for the season so uh credit that they're they're not, not messing around um i i i don't think it's going to be a, a master stroke in terms of uh a, a revolutionary signing by by any stretch but i'm a glad that we can count on that type of character off the bench for 20 minutes when it's really needed uh i sure am so um again give it the benefit of the doubt let's see how it works out and uh at, at least they they've made um they've made an attempt to try and rectify the situation at least yeah they didn't drag their feet they didn't try and just bring in some unknown guy they went okay we've just spent all this money now this guy's out okay, this is a serious issue. What are we going to do with that guy? And it was kind of nice just seeing a big name dude and somebody that's got a little nasty streak in him. How do you think that's going to fit with this team, Alex, that I I think they can play tough, but they're also nice guys, and you're bringing in one of the ultimate agitators. Uh, How do you feel about that? I I hope it rubs off. I mean, I think more than anything, the attitude – it's probably the best thing that he can bring to this team at this point at his age. And given that he hasn't played since December, um, uh, look, I, I think a lot of the attacking players, they have the talent. They sometimes are a little too passive. They're not necessarily, you know, willing to run at guys when they should, because they probably can win a lot of those battles. And if you have 33 year old Diego Costa there, uh, who's, probably going to get on you in training he's going to get on you like you know out in games if if you're if you're not pulling your weight up i think it's great honestly um i think nastiness is exactly what they're lacking in that in that part of the field i think he can come in and and get them to stop thinking when they get in the box i always feel like they get in the box and they're overthinking and they're just looking for the the pass that's going to make it a a, a sitter a tap in and then I watch Man City and I watch uh, Holland, and it's like 
that dude's he's he's just constant shooting shoot 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 it doesn't even matter and that's i i feel like that's what the wolves need is just that mentality of you're not always going to get the perfect shot you know just make the keeper work make him work and i think costa can can put that mentality in there and if he scores you know a goal against liverpool and man city and helps uh wolves get a result there that could be really really big for the rest of the season overall guys i'm very glad this transfer window is over thank god but it was a fantastic one and i must say jeff she i am so sorry i sat there on twitter after your talking wolves segment and uh you know said you were more concerned about your job than improving the team and you didn't have money, and he was just the, 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 you know what? Honestly, assuming Sasa hadn't been injured, which it is what it is. But what did we come in going, wow, we need a center back. Okay, we got that in Collins. Oh, we need a, a box-to-box midfielder, Matthias. Okay, we need a striker that can make an impact. Okay, special K. Uh, we need depth. Okay, Bubakar Traore. I feel like this was a great window. The only thing that could have made it a 10 for me, and it still honestly could get up to a 9.5 if Nevis signs a new contract. Um, Paul, best transfer window ever for Wolves? Close to. I don't think it's going to rival that initial promotion one that was just these, what felt like at the time Galacticos coming in and then you were, you, you were picking up the squad players in the mold of, the first Traore, that that was something special back back in back in the day. But I think as a conscious effort to um, uh, to restructure the team and really concentrating on the spine in terms of a uh, a proper centre back, uh, two additional options for centre midfield. Now again, we did have that fleeting option of a different profile of forward. I think it was really really solid. Mm-hmm. How about you, Alex? What would you give it at a 10? Yeah, I, I would go nine, nine point five for the same reasons. I think Paul was spot on. I think, you know, it's it's often overlooked because of the contributions we're expecting from them right away, but the spine of the team is they've they've significantly overhauled the age profile, which I think is a huge thing for a team that is going to be self-sustaining, you know, is hopefully not going to be in a relegation battle and has a still a you know teenage going on 20 year old striker who we, you know, his best years may still be four or five years out. So um, I think Collins, whether it's a stopover or not, Triore, a high potential player, um, you know, they've got guys really young, really high ceilings, and they've kind of moved on from those players who were edging into their thirties. So um, I think it, it really couldn't have been any better. I I was not too upset to uh you know get rid of Dendonker and bring in Traore. Uh but that said, Dendonker, he was great for the club for several years. It is sad seeing a lot of those guys that were on the Europe squad, like about half of them are gone now of the big contributors, and some of the others like Raul haven't got up to the form that they had back then. So that is the difficult thing when you're rooting for a team is seeing some of these guys um kind of go from such a special squad but i really like what they did and they played ffp masterfully um with that sell of gibbs white i mean that that funded so many of the moves but 
you can also say they weren't necessarily a sell to buy club because they had a bunch of money that they ponied up like right away. Now, according to FFP, it's going to be stretched out, but for right now. So, Paul, this brings up my question. We had kind of like heard some rumblings that the Chinese government had met with Fosun and like, look, you are a big part of uh, the optics for the Chinese in England. You need to be making sure this is a successful thing and don't get cheap. It made sense to me because apparently after that, that was when money started being paid. It kind of goes along with the Chinese. The Chinese always want to be number one. Like they never want to be looked to be fools and being on such a big stage and being like, oh, the cheap Chinese owners, that's a bad look. Paul, do you think like that's that legit happened? Because I'm uh, in 100 uh, percent convinced now that that actually did happen. I think when you start putting the pieces together, even to the extent of uh, Gao's profile that he started showing up and not necessarily just at games, it was meetings and embassy visits and all of this stuff. I think you just took it that the, the temperature has been turned up, but probably across the organization and its different entities. So we, as, as the club, are a high-profile aspect of that but I think it's um, probably a reflection of those types of guidelines that they've got to follow as an organization in terms of profile and status and uh, visibility that we've had some backing based on those geopolitical influences. Because there are other Chinese owners throughout the world of soccer, but I think if you ask most like fans that at least know about the teams and everything if you asked him hey who's the most high profile club owned by chinese owners they would say wolves right would you say that alex yeah i think so just by nature of being in the league that they're in mm -hmm. um in the premier league unless i'm completely blanking on another premier league team with chinese ownership but i don't i don't think so yeah so um i wouldn't be surprised if kind of what we saw if we see it probably won't be to that extent again for a couple of years. Um, but I think it's going to be more closer to this than it was to what we saw last summer where there was just nothing. And it makes sense. You can't take stuff for granted because after that first game, it, it did look like we were in some big, big trouble unless they made some signings and it was just every week. Boom, boom, boom. And, and not little names either. You know, these are big guys that they brought in, big guys that we were fighting off people. Um, so that's exciting. And and they did it without blowing the FFP, which is, you know what? Hey, so we we had that great uh, Photoshop that was done by uh, Andrew Barlow with me and, you know, Sellers and Jeff Shee and uh, George Mendez saying, we got to acknowledge he came through in the clutch, didn't he, Paul? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, did did he just get that green light to let George move all those pieces, or or was it down to uh, Jeff's strategic plays across the club in terms of potentially uh, Collins being an unearthed gem that they've picked up, or is there some real? Um, now that they've done in in the scouting department what i did like is that 
it wasn't just a, a Mendes whitewash that we mm -hmm. have had these profiles of play come in that are, don't fit the the normal stereotype and you see on forums and stuff like that well they should look to the german market more that's equal parallels to the epl in terms of how they set up well they did do and bought a player in or you should look to france because you get some value in france look at the players that come through from, from over the channel they look to france as well so mm -hmm. again as as a rounded uh as a rounded body of work of, of the window um, yeah, I think it's uh, obviously we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, and there's a ton of speculation. But it would nice it would be nice to believe that this is a part of a a grander plan, and there is a team in place when it comes to unearthing talent that can pick a few gems and uh, and really make a difference. So I'd like to hope we stop complaining about the transfer window now. Some people on uh, on Facebook. It's, a, it's enough complaining. We got a lot of good things to be happy about right now. Who do you want to sign in uh, December, Paul, or January, Paul? <laughs> no, I think no I'm just kidding. I don't mean it. <laughs> well, I, I think that's where you're going to see um, even the talk of over the summer, oh, they've gone on these jollies to South America. Um, what have they gone there for if they're not going to sign these players? I could probably see the December window seeing some of those as incoming that it would be the end of their season. There's probably deals in place for those types of youngsters that, that can come in after they finish their domestic seasons, after the dust settles of, of the World Cup and what goes on with that. So I think we could probably see an, an active, a more active uh, winter window than we have seen, but not necessarily with players that are going to come in and challenge for a, a start in birth in the first 11 i could see the, the squad increase um by those younger type of profile players if we're bringing in a starting 11 guy and it's not to replace somebody like neto who just got bought then we're in some trouble we're in some trouble so hopefully not i look forward to going you know a little while without having to talk about transfer rumors for a little bit uh it was nice Next year, let's just get it during the summer, guys. That's my big complaint. Come on, Jeff. <laughs> You've shown you can do it. You've shown you can close the deals. Now just do it a little bit earlier, please. And here to help us preview the big match on Saturday against Liverpool is Ian Veery from the official Liverpool Supporters Club of Houston. How's it going, Ian? I'm doing well, thanks, Joshua. How are you? Oh, not too bad. So, Ian, as fans of a team who struggled to score nine goals in a season, can you tell us what it's like when your team scores nine in one game? Oh, that was... For 88 minutes, that was absolutely pure footballing wonderment from the second minute for the rest of the game. It was just incredible. I mean, Charity Shield, Liverpool looked good. The first couple of games, we looked really, really, really shaky. And that just got our mojo back, I think. We just, like everything they tried, I think Firmino 
glues the front three together, even though with Mane missing, we've got, we're struggling a little bit up front with Luis because he's still not up to speed. But Firmino makes a big difference when he plays, I think. And the nine goals, oh my goodness, was amazing. Ian, I wanted to talk a little bit about Liverpool's midfield. And if you think as currently constructed, um, is it enough to keep you guys in a title race with uh, City? And when you look over at Wolves midfield, I know there was some interest in a couple of our midfielders as well. Um, can you say that Wolves actually have the better of the two midfields? It's weird for us as Wolves fans <laughs> to say that there's a portion of our squad that might actually be better than a club like Liverpool's. Well, I think if we talk about upright midfielders, that is in people we could actually put on the field. I think there is actually an argument for you guys, to be totally honest. I think you have some really decent midfielders. And uh, I like one of the guys I've always really liked, he's tidy, but he's so effective as Pedence. So that it was really interesting to see him like turn up at the weekend and ping a goal in for you guys as well, which, uh, like you, we just talked about, is a little bit of a struggle. We, I think Harvey Elliott has come good this year for for sure. Um, when we didn't play Fabinho in the first game or so, that really was a surprise for me. Um, I think we definitely have to have him. Hendo, I think, is a huge loss because for me, Liverpool play, and actually England, actually also play better when Henderson's on the field if you look at the uh, the way they both play. So we're really, really light and thin. And Cavallio going down as well was um, definitely not good for us for this weekend. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see. I liked the sort of one holding and two attacking to sort of attack with five and defend with five. I thought that was a good kind of little shift that Klopp did against um, Everton at the weekend. But um, injuries are absolutely killing our midfield. And I'd say... You guys, I like Martino and Neves as well, to be honest. I mean, uh, we could probably pick them up in the transfer window. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm throwing him the bird. No, nobody picking up anybody from the transfer window. Transfer window's over. over. It's closed, yeah. I mean, we got we got Mello from Juve. I think he actually may be okay. I think we have to get Bellingham in January. I think we have to get him, I think... You know, I think it's I think it's another um, cater deal. I think it's the deal has already been done, but they can't actually officially announce it yet. Kind of like we, what we did with Cavallio and Fulham. So it's going to be interesting. But we definitely need a young box to box midfielder, which we we do not have right now. That's consistent. Hey, we got one now, and you can stay away, Armatheus. <laughs> <laughs> So who do uh who do we really need to be looking out for on Saturday if you're talking informed players? I mean, obviously Salah. Salah for me has not been good since the AFCON. He has come, wow. he came back from the AFCON and he has not still hit his stride. Plus, we've given him a huge pay raise and actually smashed Liverpool's transfer strategy. And I'm gonna be a little bit controversial here. I think we sold the wrong player in the summer. Ooh, hot take right there. Yeah, I like so it um, I, I think um, Firmino has to play. I think when he's on the field, he's really started the season well. Joda, of course, or, you know him. He's still, I think, struggling and not back in stride. So 
Elliot, I think, has been our most exciting player this season. So if he has a good game, he's definitely starting to uh, influence games more, which before he didn't. So one of the it was really interesting is one of the things Liverpool has definitely changed is the 40, 50 yard pass from Van Dyke over to the top onto Salah's foot or Mane's foot. Of course, Mane's gone. You don't see that in games now. Since he came back from injury, he just doesn't seem to play that ball. It's more a five yard pass lateral to Gomez or a little bit to the outside. Or, or what I've noticed a lot is they're playing pigging balls into uh, Fabinho when he's got when he's facing his own goal, and, it's, and there's always two midfielders attacking him when he's trying to turn. And I think. We've got to fix that because that's where we've got caught in a few games. I'm sure Jada will be uh, ready to get back on track Saturday. That's that's usually his style. I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to play as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern on Saturday, Wolves playing Liverpool. On paper, it looks very, very scary for us. Uh, I'm not going to lie. However, if you kind of look at the schedule and listen to um, what our good friend Ian was saying there, Liverpool's playing a lot of games right now. And even though we have back-to-back Liverpool in Man City, they've got Champions League starting up, and the matchups that they have right before us are not um, are not shoe ins where they could just start, um, you know, their backups and and get an easy group win. Do you think the schedule, Paul, is going to help us out some? I think anytime you're playing a team that's going to be challenging at the start of the year, it's either going to go two ways. Either you're going to get steamrolled and everyone thinks that's exactly what was going to happen. Or there's one of these teams or a couple that out the gate, they splutter and, and they misfire. And I think everyone saw it to begin with that Manchester United losing to Brentford and getting absolutely stuffed there. Look how they've managed to turn it around. Um, even to the extent of Arsenal going out all guns blazing and then getting their comeuppance at Old Trafford yesterday. So maybe Liverpool's taking a little while to get going and it could be one of the better times of the year to actually play them. I mean, Liverpool is at Napoli on Wednesday and then has to come back on Saturday. And it's the first game of Champions League with that group, I mean, that's not going to be an easy group for them um, because they're in there with uh, Ajax and Rangers. So you really look at it, a road game against Napoli, they're going to be playing to win that game. I think so. Well, he's going to give Klopp something to moan about, isn't it? If it doesn't go in his favor, that we're sure going to hear about that, that, oh, we didn't even get a game on... uh push back to the Sunday. We played Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Okay, we get it. You know, you've but you you're in a position to to handle that. So um I it, it yeah, it's it's not going to be easy by any stretch. Um 
and I, I don't think you can you can really look past it that it's going to be anything other than a than an uphill battle, regardless of of schedule or what depth they've got in their squad to draw on. By the way, looking ahead to Man City, um, yes, they're at home the Wednesday before they play us, but it's against Dortmund. Guess who's going to be uh, balling out against Dortmund and may kind of expend himself a little bit. Uh, <laughs> ideally. I may be looking at it, uh, you know, little old gold glasses, but I do think it's better than Liverpool just having a whole week of rest, Man City having a whole week of rest, and then coming in uh, delivering the pain for us. Alex, what do you think of Liverpool's form? I mean, they had that that big thumping, but I mean, it's not like they've been super super dominant. No, and uh, if not for a badge check. Um, they'd be coming off of a loss in the Merseyside Derby and Connor Cody would have got his goal against his boyhood club, which would have been great. I would have been happy for him. Um, yeah, going to Napoli, extremely difficult. Um, they're sitting second in Syria, I believe, right now. I know they've had a really nice start to their to their season. Um, I, th- I Yeah, I, I feel like Wolves are catching them at a the right time. And I think that, you know, something that Ian said... Um, is that you know they're they're Fulham created a blueprint essentially uh for for how you can give Liverpool some trouble. And I think I trust Lodge enough tactically to be able to follow that blueprint and figure out ways to really make life difficult for them. So um I'm I'm fairly optimistic that this will be a really competitive one on on, on Saturday. By the way, Alex, can you tell me uh who the keeper is for Napoli? He's a he's a FIFA goalkeeping uh, super kid. Oh, I actually don't know because uh, uh, I I don't know this one. Alex Merritt. Alex. <laughs> oh Merritt. yeah, nice man. You nice. get that kid. He's like a ninety-two <laughs> after a few years. <laughs> Always a plus. Always a plus. So yeah, I mean, I feel pretty good. Ultimately, it is Liverpool. It is at Anfield. I don't think we're as dead in the water the next two games as we think we are. I mean, obviously, the goal issue is is still a problem. So what do you think lineup-wise, Paul? you think the lineup's the same except Raul if he's healthy in there? Yeah. Um, I think it's got to be more of the the 4-3-3 rather than the 4-2-3-1. Um, I think if it may be a case that it's more uh, Neves and Moutinho trying to do the dirty work in the centre of the park and maybe giving uh, Mateus that more licence to to go box to box a little bit. Um, I think when it was mentioned about potential Achilles heels of, of Liverpool, we might not necessarily have that in our skill set that that's not what we're known for really so i'm a little worried that if we um if we don't set up right if we don't set up compact if he's not really on it in terms of executing it tactically we could struggle um i saw a good uh team prediction i don't see it quite happening but at least it was nice to see the, the flexibility that you could actually switch to a 442 um which would allow you to bring Samedo in as in a right back play 
Mateus right midfield, but having Tomato provide the width, um, Mateus come inside. Left wing, um, he was off Twitter, I'll have to dig out who it was. He went without Nuri, so it was Johnny and out Nuri uh, combining down, down the left-hand side, which allows you to potentially play two up top, one in a 10 and one more out and out that, that's potential to hit a team on the break. I, I think that's too much of a, a, a sweeping change for what they've tried to implement so far this season. But at the very least, it's nice that you've got that flexibility to to think of that along those lines rather than having that rigid five at the back that we've been conditioning to. Adama likes playing against the big name teams and he's given Liverpool fits before. Would you start him over Neto, Alex? I think I would. Yeah. Cause one, I, I think it, you know, Neto needs a break as we discussed and two, you know, one thing that I think will be a little bit different about this game and actually maybe brings me a little bit of hope in Wolves creating chances is Laja has been pretty successful in implementing this new style of play that they want to at least have more possession of the ball. Um, I think, you know, Liverpool by the nature of who they are, will probably have more of the ball. That's not necessarily a bad thing for Wolves. And I think starting Adama in a situation where you can, again, just try to go back to being dangerous on the counter makes a little bit more sense. Um, so I, I wouldn't be mad to see him start, whether it's, you know, I think it should be for Neto, but Neto could also be very dangerous on the counterattack. If it's if it's a pairing of Neto and Adama on the wings, I'm, I'm fine with that too. I just think giving Neto a little bit of a break and then bringing him off in, uh, on in a sub role, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see if maybe that helps get his confidence a little bit up because then he can just worry. I'd say the last 30 minutes, but let's be honest, the last 18 minutes <laughs> of the game – uh, you know, Neto can try making an impact. So here are the standings thus far. Alex, you're in first place with eight points in the prediction standings. Our guests are also tied with eight points, thanks to Aaron's uh, 1-0 prediction of Wolves over, uh, on, over on Saturday. And then I have seven in Paul. You've got four points. So you're you're pulling in a me performance from last year thus far. <laughs> so Paul, I'm just wait, just waiting for the new players to settle in, and uh, yeah, I'll th- I'll think of the excuses as the weeks go by. <laughs> so Paul, I will let you start out. Then, what is your prediction for Wolves versus Liverpool? I'm kind of back. Uh, ex- excellent start to the season defensively. I'm going to go nil nil. Wow. I like it. Alex, how about you? I will go 1-1. And I think young Harvey Elliott and Carvalho, if he's healthy enough, will uh, have a nice lesson on on midfield play from Nevis and Moutinho, the old vets. Um, I think they keep us in it. We get an early goal, Liverpool get one back, and uh, everybody goes happy in the end to escape without a thrashing. You're making me be the bad guy, aren't I? I'm going to say 1-0 Liverpool, but it's going to be late, I think. And I think Jada's going to do something that pisses us off. That's my it's, it's not yet to really do something, I see. But it feels like... Um, it feels like it's coming. It feels like we, yeah, we, we're owed at least somehow. But mm-hmm. Liverpool's just one of the teams that it doesn't seem like, apart from that cup game, 
that we've never really done anything against and we've not really got those wins and I'd love love them to be a scalp that we could say or oh, we, we beat beat Liverpool especially at Anfield yeah yeah that would be nice that would be nice all right Alex do we have any no stupid questions this week Yes, we got a number of good ones, uh, all of them this week coming in on Twitter at WLWPod. First up, uh, Tony Minobli says, who will be the three teams to go down this year and why will it be Leicester, Leeds, and Bournemouth? I don't think Leeds is going down. I think Leeds is going to stay up. And that may just be the American in me, kind of rooting for some of their guys. But I, I do think Leicester's in trouble. I really do. So I would say Leicester, Bournemouth, and... You want to talk about us having troubles getting guys on the same page? Nyanam Forest, I don't know. I mean, that was too many changes. I, I, I think they may be the ones that get bumped down. Paul, I, I, it's a struggle to uh, to disagree with with any of those really, but they all they always seems to be that one potentially surprise team that gets dragged into it that you're not necessarily expecting. So. That that could well be Leicester if they uh, if they aren't pull, pulling the trigger on Rogers and they're probably thinking about someone that could come in and, and steady that ship. Um, so uh, yeah, there's there's no real out and out dead certs. I don't think Pro- probably Bournemouth in there, um, but but the other two kind of tricky to tell at the moment. Yeah, uh, I agree with you guys. I would throw. I don't think Everton is safe either. Yeah, Everton. Yeah. I was going to say Everton and Villa both. Um, and th- this is where we talk about coaching in the EPL and versus other sports. In that, there's a certain profile of manager that you definitely want in your corner when you've got those types of battles. And for me, like jury's out on whether Frank Lampard's ever going to be that elite level coach mm-hmm. so if if he gets them into trouble um, is, is he going to have the, the skills and the dexterity to get them out of it personally I don't think so and they, they could have ex- expanded all of their cats lives that actually the, the time is now for Everton and they do suffer uh, suffer a relegation which should be crippling if they've got that new stadium on their horizon i feel bad if lester goes down because i've always felt like lester is has been that model team for those of us just outside the big six but i mean it sounds like they're in some big financial issues right now and which is why they didn't make any moves um and i mean selling Fofana. I yeah, I think they're I think they're in some trouble. I'll be very curious to see what they're looking like once the World Cup break comes. All right, we've got a uh, a couple of Diego Costa related questions uh, with him traveling to Wolverhampton for a medical this week. Let's start with uh, our buddy Todd Dewitt on Twitter. How long before Diego Costa gets a yellow card in a well in a Wolves kit? Twenty five minutes. It's got to be on debut. There's <laughs> got to be something. That, if Sasha can do his ACL on his debut, then there's got to be a booking for uh, Costa, surely. Let's see. Let's do the math. So we don't use subs until like the 82nd minute. So it's got to be somewhere around there because he probably won't start his first match, right? <laughs> yeah. And that may take him off and he just goes in and throws a, nail, uh, throws a shoulder into somebody. <laughs> 
Um, and Chase Branch on Twitter uh, asked, I like this one, assuming the signing does happen, who starts more fights this season, <laughs> him or Jose Sa? I think with, um, I'm, I'm not sure if he's been reined in a little, but I think it was, was it twice in the Southampton game that he got pulled up or at least someone was getting in his way and he, he didn't see him as gungo like he was versus Brentford away last season where he got into it. So um, are, we, are we seeing a new somewhat reserved side to Jose Sarr? Hopefully not. Um, so they, they, they are two combustible characters potentially. Now, is this a fight against the other team or a fight in practice? <laughs> I always feel like Saw is just going to flat out punch somebody who gets in his way when he's trying to get the ball out quick at some point. He just he gets so angry. I love it. I love it. Uh, but as far as who starts more, yeah, I think Costa. I think he's just going to come in with this nasty chip on his shoulder that nobody's been wanting him for the last year. Yeah. Just by virtue of the position he plays, I feel like you have to go with him. Wolves would be an incredible team if if the Premier League just like devolved into like a street fighting type of show, like with Adama, him, oh, yeah. Jose possibly coming in. Jose saw like I wouldn't want to mess with those guys, man. Um, I think I think Neto would be a sneaky one in there too. My my pick as hardcore has been Johnny because you're always skeptical mm -hmm. of the little guy, but I think he'd be the one that steps up first and whacks someone and, and leads from the front because you never expect it. Yeah, he's as tough as nails and won't back down <laughs> for anyone. And then Potence would be down there slicing Achilles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the body shots are coming from him. Well, only because he can't reach you. <laughs> Wolfman Jeff on Twitter, um, he says, we've had a high number of injuries for our side in the last year. Have they changed the turf at Compton recently? It's interesting. Uh, Ian was talking with me uh, before you guys got on, and he was saying he's a chiropractor, and he's seen a lot of medical injuries over the years. He said almost always it's Nike boots that are causing these soccer players uh, ACL injuries. He said he's only seen one that was not Nike. I thought that was interesting. I've actually heard that before as well right. about um, about the shoes being a big part of it. I don't know. Maybe the shoe. It's got to be the shoes, right? <laughs> Paul, do you know anything about the turf there? No, it all looks the same to me. So uh, <laughs> do, do you put it down, down to bad luck? Um you, you, you've got to think that uh, that the medical team would have done their due diligence, and it, I don't know. Is it just us? But is there more frequent these types of injuries? That um, is it down to down to the footwear, down to the type of type of grass that it, you've got a more synthetic version of it now. I don't think the 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 uh, the turf at Molyneux is like hundred percent like grass i think it's got like astroturf stitched into it to, to help mm. keep it together and things so do, do those elements play into it but you'd always think that technology would be building year on year to keep injuries down yet it doesn't seem to be happening so who knows alex i don't know if you know this the houston Texans stadium out here they used to use real grass but because they couldn't grow it in the stadium they would grow it on pallets 
like 30 minutes away and then bring it in every game and be laying down the pallets. And man, that was just asking for knee injuries. Like Wes Welker destroyed his knee on the surface one time because they'd get caught in between where the seams were and just it was nasty. Um, I'll be curious to see how they fix that for the World Cup out here. Ian was the second person that I've heard recently talking about Nike shoes and ACL injuries. So I thought in in Achilles injuries too. So I thought that was very interesting. Achilles, Liz Frank. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Don't I'm not gonna wear Nike shoes. We're not trying to get <laughs> Nike as a sponsor, right, Paul? Yeah, I was just gonna say uh, we got a none of their lawyers are listening. I don't think our, uh, <laughs> I'll have to look to see if there's any listeners from Beaverton in uh, in Portland. But um, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to be uh, whisper it quietly if we're going to out, yeah, uh, yeah. out Nike. Yeah, complete uh, yeah, speculation, speculation, hundred percent. Yes, no, no, no stats behind it at all. But it's just <laughs> the second time I've heard it from somebody that is around the game a lot. Yeah. I bought a pair of Nikes last week for a five-a-side team uh, that's starting in a month. So, <laughs> R.I.P. When I when I no show the pod and then I uh, show up a week later, like in <laughs> post surgery, I'll I'll let you know. <laughs> just, just for some context, I tore my Achilles playing in Pumas, so Ooh. they're not off the hook either. So, yeah, man, you're a you're a tall guy too. I bet that was a nasty rehab. Yeah, yeah, the. Uh, I was carrying a little bit extra timber as well. And I think they were just making me uh, lose a few pounds by pushing me even harder as well. I was doing those, like the rope things and then pushing that crate thing up and down. It was brutal. Never want to do that again. (laughs) Worst I've done is destroy my ankle jumping off the porch and twisted it bad and tore like all but a couple uh, ligaments and that was a week before hurricane harvey hit here so i was having to walk around in a boot that was covered in a trash bag to keep uh <laughs> keep my foot from getting waterlogged so i was not wearing nikes then either so see nike it's not all bad not all bad we'll take your money we'll take your money nike <laughs> i am mad at nike for these awful u.s kits oh, not off the hook yet it's like a training like training wear or something uh, it's so uninspiring. Uh, that's it for No Stupid Questions this week. Uh, you can always tweet your questions at us at WLWpod. Email them to hello at wholeloutofwolves.com or reach out to any of us directly, of course, on Twitter as well. Nothing is off the table. Uh, we enjoy fielding all kinds of questions. So um, keep them coming. I think we need the question this week is we need another movie to base this season on after bromance uh, with an option to buy. So uh, come on, you guys be thinking <laughs> of some creative stuff that uh, Andrew well, can get on there and do some nice photoshopping. We could just do a part two, like some of those series where like the actor changes like midway through a series, like Geddes is just, he's playing Trincao, but they changed the actor because like <laughs> some contractual thing. Um, it could just be that. <laughs> Costa's like, got an element of Bond villain in him potentially. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Ho- hopefully that's combustible externally rather than internally. So, yeah, there could yeah. be a few, few moving parts to think about. I trust our listeners. Paul, is there uh, any update on TextFest? TextFest is all systems go, everyone. So, um, do head over to houstonwalls.com to check out the itinerary. If you need um, 
ideas of places to to stay if you're looking to, to coming into town then do reach out we've got an idea already of where some of the groups that are traveling from out of state are staying so uh if we were all in and around the same type of spots then that would help on the day itself but very much looking forward to it we're anticipating really good numbers by those that have uh filled out the uh the itinerary form and have rsvp'd so it's getting closer and it's getting exciting i'm really excited to meet some of these guys alex any word on you uh st still tbd but again i okay. still have that flight so um i should know very soon there's a lot of a lot of moving parts here. A lot of uh, moving parts. It's like the transfer window for Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, um, but no, I, I would really love to be there. And I think we have some some other New Yorkers uh, going as well anyway. So I, uh, I hope to be a part of that contingent. Awesome. That brings this week's show to an end, dear listeners. Same time, same place next week where we will break down everything that happens at Anfield on Saturday morning and then look forward to that uh, tricky little uh, home game against Man City the following week. So uh, in the meantime, we can't really give uh, any uh, influence to Jeff anymore on sign-ins, but potential free agents could, could see something happen this week. So Whatever happens, we'll uh, we'll ride it out, and we'll uh, we'll be here next week to to see what happens. So, in the meantime, up the wolves. Whole lot of wolves is self-funded, so if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities as a way to reach a niche audience, email hello at wholelotofwolves.com for our sponsor packages. Just want to make a contribution as a listener who enjoys the show? Then head to buymeacoffee.com/wlwpod. That's buymeacoffee.com/wlwpod. We greatly appreciate any contribution. Up the wolves. <laughs>